Hello, and welcome to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. I'm Ryan Purvis, your host, supported by our producer, Heather Bicknell. In this series, you'll hear stories and opinions from experts in the field, stories from the front lines, the problems they face and how they solve them, the areas they're focused on from technology, people and processes, to the approaches they took that will help you to get to the scripts for the Digital Workspace inner workings. How have you been? Good, man. How was your drive to the other side of America and back? You know, it really wasn't awful. Uh, it did rain pretty much the whole way back, which was, that was probably the worst part. But otherwise, nice to drive through some of the country. <laughs> <laughs> some of the states I, I don't do not have a desire to drive in again, but, you know, it was yeah, what it was. But every country has that. There's, there's places you just you're like, why does this even exist? Then I suppose it also makes you appreciate what you're what you're seeing elsewhere. Yeah. Oh, good. And your and your brother's wedding went well. Yeah, it was it was nice. Um, it was hot, but it was good. Uh, nice and sunny down there. There's nothing wrong with heat. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, you're. Yeah. Get that all the time. I'm sure. Well, you know, it's funny. We're we're obviously in Joburg still, and um, it's winter. Well, it's the start of winter. Winter really kicks in June, July. But um, you start. You can definitely feel when you start the morning that it's cold. You know, sort of three, four, five degrees. But by ten o'clock, it's twenty degrees again. So, so you don't really feel cold. I mean, you you feel cold in the sense of inside the house is cold. But, you know, I, I've wear a jersey for about 20 minutes of the day in the morning until you warmed up and then you take it off because it's too hot to have it on. So I've forgotten what, what winters are like here um, versus the UK where you always wearing a jacket or a jersey or gloves or something. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard to go back to the UK and go through one of those winters again. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny because we were just saying that yesterday that we've sort of reached this point that we, we just adapted to it. And now we're back here. And now it's like, hmm, yeah, we miss this. The weather here is quite good. So, so yeah. Anyway, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there. There's a lot of people that have flown back from South Africa to here, obviously for for different reasons, um, that are staying longer and longer to see what they, you know, what it's like. But with with the quarantines and and travel and all that being as complicated as it is, it's almost not worth rushing back. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's interesting space at the moment. How's the, uh, fiber internet going for you? It's been good, but that's not the, that's not the, been the highlight of my week. The highlight of my week is the MacBook Air that I now have. Oh, is that what yeah. you're using right now? It is. It is. It is awesome. Um, it's so nice to have a machine that works. Um, that's not temperamental. Um, but I've actually, uh, I mean, jokes aside, and I say that tongue in cheek, because I actually turned on my Windows device today to do something, and it blue screened within five minutes of turning it on. Mm. Um, it, it is a, it is definitely an experience that that uh, was better than I thought it was going to be. We bought the machines on Friday. Um, you, know, you know, usual stuff when you when you buy a new machine, you got to set it up and all that kind of stuff, and and that did take you know, a good part of the day to install all the things that I wanted. And then I, you know, I sort of played with over the weekend 
Um, and I was actually excited to do work because, you know, it's all new and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, but what's really impressed me is the integration with the other components. So, so there's apps that I've been using for a long time on my iPad or my iPhone that now have a Mac version. That's, you know, now I can see the other features that I haven't been able to use before. So that's really cool. But you can also install apps that you've got on your Mac, uh, on, your, on your iPad, your iPhone onto your Mac because of the new silicone chip. Um, so there's apps that I couldn't get before that now I can use them and they work really well. Um, but I was, you know, things like drawing something on your iPad and then that being inserted onto a page as you're working on on your laptop and your Mac. That's amazing because the amount of times mm -hmm. I've drawn something and then I've had to sort of do some, you know, work around to get it from one place to another place. You know, now it's just click, right click, import from iPad and it puts it right on the document. That's that's amazing. So I've been impressed, I have to say. Um, I mean, it's only got eight gigs of RAM, which is half what I have on my Windows machine, but everything runs quickly, um, including all the Office products, even though they're not really written specifically for the M1 chip yet. Um, but I've been using all the Apple components, funny enough, I stopped using Outlook. Um, I've been using Apple Mail and I've been using Apple Calendar. And I quite like that as an experience because my mail actually sits closed most of the time. Um, because really the only reason I go into mail is to do calendar entries. Um, and now that's a separate app completely, which is actually, I prefer that experience. Um, so yeah, it's been a good uh, good couple of days. I'm on, on Wednesday, I've had to use my Windows machine once. Um, and that's only because I couldn't find quickly a SQL client tools equivalent, which is the Windows tool. So I could log into a SQL server and run a script. Um, for something. Um, so I just did that quickly. But other than that, I haven't touched a Windows device the whole week. And I feel a lot less stressed. Well, that's <laughs> always a good thing. So, do I was you actually, think you'll, sorry. No, go ahead, go. I just want to add, do you, do you think you'll still go ahead and um, set up a WVD machine for yourself so you can access things that way? Yes. So, so when that, when the hosted PC comes through, which I think is going to be coming out soonish, probably in the summer or the Northern hemisphere summer, um, that is probably what I'm going to do. Um, uh, but I was joking with one of my Mac friends, you know, he's sort of my, my go-to advice advisor on this stuff that I've, that I've broken up with windows finally. Um, so I think I'll only use that WVD if I really, really, really have to. Um, or if I want to test it out to see what it's like, but you know, this, this, this sort of ecosystem now, which is what it's always been designed for, I think, you know, iPhone, iPad and, and Mac, whether it's desktop or laptop just works so well together that I can't see me ever going back at this stage. They'd have to really screw it up. So yeah, the Apple lock-in, um, is super it's super nice when oh, you get don't, forget, don't forget don't forget the watch, the watch. don't forget the watch yeah. which which I'll, I'll tell you a funny story uh, about three years ago <clears throat> uh, four years ago i actually had given up on apple I, they, that's when they they did um ios 11 which was so buggy that nothing worked and it was very frustrating and whatever and the only thing that kept me in the apple ecosystem at that point was the watch because i used the watch everywhere um, and then obviously they improve things and it's gotten better and I stuff. I mean, yes, you, you know, there'll always be something that another vendor does that's slightly better. Um, but what I've been really impressed with this week, um, if you've updated to 14.5, uh, on your phone, 
and the latest version on the on the watch, whatever that one is, you can now open your phone with your face mask on. And that really works well. Um, and the facial recognition works a lot quicker. So I've been very impressed with that as well. And and obviously, you know, the, the, the laptop itself opens up with the, when the watch is nearby. Um, so so they've definitely got the fingerprint reader right. So, so it's as good as what the phone is. And then the watch opening up as well. Um, so yeah, I've, they've, they've got it all right, which is which is. But they own the, they own the they own the components, which I think makes a big difference. Whereas Windows is always going to be dealing with the variables, um, which is unfortunate. So yeah, well, it sounds like I should update update my phone. Um, mm. <laughs> get that. Yeah, they put some other privacy stuff in, but I haven't really looked at that too much. I, you know, the, the biggest thing for me was the mask thing, because that was really started to irritate me. Because every time you go into a store, you have to. So interesting thing is, is you can use the watch to unlock your phone, but you cannot use the watch to pay for something. So if you're going to tap and you want to do the facial recognition to use the card, that's not going to work. You have to take your face down for that. But usually when you do that, there's a cover in front of you. So because, you know, here, if you walk around with your face mask down, someone will come and tell you to put it back on, mm -hmm. um, you know, because it's law and, and all that kind of stuff, which is the right thing to do. But, you know, if you're about to pay for something and someone says, hey, put your mask back on, you're like, yeah, but I'm about to pay for something. They don't, you know, it's not common to use your phone here to, to pay for things yet. Uh, it's now coming through. Um, you can, of course, use your watch as well. Um, but, yeah, those, those are definitely made my week. That's great. So exciting. New toys are always exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, did you want to talk about one of the um, other topics on our on our list today? Yeah. So the, the one that I was thinking about this morning, which I, I pinged you about, is, is disaster recovery plans and business continuity plans. Um, because, you know, if you look at what's going on in India at this stage, and I forget the numbers, but they're really high of cases per day. I think it was 200,000 or 300,000 per day. Um, would you put that into a week? You know, that's that's between 1.4 and 2 million cases a week. You know, it's a billion people. That means within the year, everyone will have COVID, um, which, which is drastic. Now, the reason why I bring it up is a lot of companies for years have used India as their outsourced company to do stuff. Uh, when I was at one of the banks, you know, we had 10, 20, 12,000 staff in India. Uh, other one, I can't remember what we had, but it was also in the tens of thousands. Um, and even Hilo, even though it's small, um, we also have, you know, most of our team, our technical team is in India. Thank God, you know, there are members outside of that. And I mean that only in the sense that, that we, you know, we've got some mitigation of risk. And that's what I was thinking about is, um, in the sort of new world where everyone's gotten used to working remotely, you almost want to force people to be distributed. Um, mm. So you have a hotspot, you say avoid the hotspot problem. Cause I mean, who would have said three months ago that India would be a hotspot? You know, they had a vaccine program that was running out. It looked really good. Same as America, same as the UK. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's just been, um, well, it's gone the other way. Uh, I don't know what the nice way to say it is. So I was just thinking about that. So, you know, and, you know, if I look at what Hilo's done, we, we're in our business continuity mechanism, which is to be just work from home and be distributed and, and all that kind of stuff. But what would be your next level on that? Because you've almost got to now design a new 
was was a continuity plan and a new disaster recovery plan that mitigates what you're currently in, any risks that you have to that. Um, so, so that's what I was thinking about this morning. Um, yeah, I actually experienced, um, I've already felt the effects of this a little bit. So, I mean, yeah, not that it's, <laughs> it's whatever for me to experience it. Cause obviously it's, it's terrible to live through, but, um, I, one of the, I won't name the vendor, but someone we were working with, um, I was trying to go through some process to, to get something done. And, um, I wasn't hearing back. And normally this is a vendor who's very, very responsive. Um, so I ended up reaching out to our Rob who's in the U S and then it turns out that that whole team that I was trying to do something through, uh, is in India and their whole immediate team at least was out sick with COVID. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's very, it's very real in the way that it's, um, impacting organizations right now. Um, and of course the people. So yeah, I, I guess what you say, what you said about, um, you know, distribution actually being, um, a, could, could potentially lower risk, um, by distributing employees. I haven't, I feel like I haven't seen a lot of that brought up in sort of the, um, remote or hybrid or even return to office conversations that, you know, maybe it is, uh, there are other reasons besides just employee choice to potentially still keep people apart in terms of, um, risk and safety. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about it, you know, a couple of years ago, I did a trip with a whole bunch of guys from the UK to, to the US, you know, to go to our head office. And there was about 12 of us flying. And we even joked about it at the, at the airport that they, they'd put all 12 of us on the same aircraft. And there should have been some policy or some procedure that said the minute there's more than four people traveling that you have to spread um, them across different flights or if they're a certain rank or whatever the whatever the criteria is. Um, and it's kind of the same thing here. You know, we, we've spread, you know, we're fortunate that a lot of our team is spread by, by nature. So we, even in the UK, we've got guys in Manchester, guys in Scotland, um, guys in Brist- out of Bristol. Um, it's the other B, I can't think of what it is now. And then, you know, myself in, in London. So, you know, there's, there's already a level of, if there's a problem, you know, in theory, we're spread apart. Um, and I just think it's something that has to factor in. Um, and never, never mind the, uh, the, other, the other angle to this, which is, you know, when, when that person is not available, you know, we, we do this thing in, in some of the security things where you put people away for two weeks on leave, on block, what they call block weeks, um, where they're not allowed to touch the, the internal systems for two weeks, they actually get locked out of the system for two weeks. And it's a good way to see what they're doing um, and what they're not doing, because now they're not there. Um, and you, you can uncover either process problems or you can uncover, we uncovered a thing where a guy was selling laptops um, the company was getting the lap, you know, he was buying the laptops through the company and then he was selling them on eBay, um, because someone else was monitoring his email, uh, while he was away for two weeks. And that's how they found out that he'd been ordering that we're talking about, you know, hundreds of machines that he'd bought and sold on eBay. Wow. Um, so net profit of a hundred percent, cause he never, you know, and, and of course in a big organization, those machines for a while, no one notices they're missing until they do an audit and they go, Hey, where is these, you know? all these machines gone. Um, but, but going back to the block week stuff, um, 
you know, if you lock someone out for two weeks, you'll see what, what's missing. Um, we've had cases, you know, in many scenarios where we've got, like in, in Hilo, we require customers to upload their data. Now that's usually through API or what's manual, but the manual becomes a problem. If that's, if that's the only person in the team that does that work and you and they don't have a backup plan, then that problem leads down to you as a customer, as, as a service provider to say, well, you know, we we really need you guys to automate this stuff, use APIs and all that kind of stuff. And and I, and I think that's got to be part of the, the business continuity planning now is to have a not just a, a standard operating procedure that's written up, but also um, mitigate manual work with automation. So mm-hmm. you know, RPA or, or something like that. Yeah, I mean that sounds like a very smart. The smart thing to get into. Um, and I, yeah, I guess these are all just parts of things that um, we'll need to uh, double down on and um, get into, I suppose. I mean, I'm sure a lot of organizations already have already made these plans. I guess I, you know, I'm curious how many of the um, continuity plans are well still well, taking shape. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think people do do it. I mean, if you mm. think about your day, your daily job, I mean, you've got so much work to do. Um, and, and there's a level of, I think, because we're all at home, there's almost an overwork scenario now because you can start earlier. You don't have to commute necessarily unless mm-hmm. you are commuting into the office. Um, you know, your boss or, or your your stakeholders that, that call on you are online earlier and, and, and longer. So they're asking you for more stuff. Um, so in that time, where do you write down, you know, what you do every day so that if you're not available, I mean, I've had it now, I've had a staff member, she's had, she's had a very bad, bad case of COVID. She's gone into hospital. Um, fortunately we're probably 80% aware of what she's been doing and, and all the rest of it, but there's always something that we've forgotten or we didn't, we weren't aware of. So we missed out on a contract with someone because, um, she was managing the relationship and none of us were involved in that relationship. So, so it's those things that, that you, you rely, you know, um, you rely on, but if you're not aware of it, you can't, you can't really rely on it. So, so and I think that's the problem is that we, we, we always think we're going to be available and, and involved. Mm-hmm. So we're not writing while we're doing this that, okay, this is how I do X, Y, and Z. If I want to load a, um, I don't know, let's use an ex- a simple example. If I want to load an expense claim, this is how you do it. And when I classify something like this, this is what I mean by that. You know, just that little, so if I'm not available and someone else needs to load the expense claim, they know how to load it and why we select certain categories and, and make these decisions. Because often that's the stuff that gets lost in in the IP, um, mm-hmm. especially if you decide to leave as well. Um, you know, the, the, the sort of handover document that you're supposed to write and, and do. I don't know if people even do that anymore. Yeah, I think documenting things in the moment, especially the you know the more um, critical what you're doing is to the organization, the harder it will be to reskill or just the more I guess um, yeah unique and um, uh, just developed over 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 years that your position is, the more that it's important to have like some of those things documented, but there, I think you're right with the whole overwork thing that there isn't necessarily people don't, you know, that's kind of a luxury to, you know, I need to do the thing. So Mm. then taking the time to document how to do the thing just feels like a way, you know, just time that people don't have. 
Yeah, I mean, I remember um, asking a guy to do, not even document, just video, just record everything you do on this one system. And he obviously forgot that he, he, he was recording it because he ended up, he told me it took him six hours to do this thing. But I actually watched the video for six hours and he did, and he did like f- 15 minutes on the system. And then he had other, all these other things that were, yeah, the work, the work he had to get done. But I don't think he realized that he made it, he was recording his workflow and you could see how chaotic his workflow was, that it was actually, it wasn't surprising it took him six hours because from end to end it took him six hours, but actually it was 15 minutes. Um, but video to me is probably the best way to, if specifically when it's procedural on a system, you know, just record the video with a voiceover. Yeah. So here I'm clicking here, I'm doing this, whatever it is. Because, you know, writing a document, people aren't going to read the document. They, they typically don't. Um, they all, there will be some guys that'll, that'll do it. But in most cases, everyone's on the YouTube culture. So, you know, give me a 15-minute, five-minute, one-minute video clip that I can zoom through and move forwards and backwards on and all that, um, at least to convey some level of knowledge. Yeah, no, that's a great point because you can still kind of do things while recording it. As long as you, you know, name the video something and put it in a place where it can be found again, mm. you'll be all right. <laughs> I tend to do it when um when there's something I'm that I that is like fairly straightforward and I'm tired of people. You know, I need to get people to stop asking me to do it for them. That's when I will create a, a video and distribute it like here you can you can try it yourself yeah and i think that's uh, i mean i don't know where i think uh, i think microsoft's viva is still away a little bit away from being released but i think that's where they were mm-hmm. going with stream as an example like go create your videos publish them there um if someone asks you a question just point them at the video i mean i, I like the habit of when we do a, a run through of a new component we record that run through so if anyone who couldn't make it you could just say hey look go watch the video now, again, they, they, there's a choice there whether the person will do it or not. Um, but it's also helpful when you've made a lot of changes to a component to go look back, you know, at what it was before to what it is now um, to see progress. Because sometimes you forget how much you've actually progressed or evolved something. Um, so, yeah, I think I think video is a great medium. Um, I think writing is important. I don't want to discount that. I think writing out your thoughts for the, you know, pick your horse for the race. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's we'll go through those articles very quickly then. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe we just do the, the Iron Man exosuit and the pay minute work booths. Sure. So, so the pay minute work booths, I think is a great idea. Um, these were, these were in Singapore, I think, according to the article, but, you know, walking through the mall here the other day, um, and I, you know, time difference for me is like one hour now, so it's not it's not too bad. But I've got staff in in India that are online, obviously before my normal working day, and obviously I do I do try to do my shopping in the morning, and I do sometimes get calls while I'm out there, and it's so hard to do a call while you're walking through a shopping center where you've got people walking past you, you've got the music in the background, etc. And I'd happily pay whatever they're charging. I can't remember, I think it was fifteen dollars an hour or something, Singapore. So, so call it, um, it's probably about 10, 10 pounds or, or $12 US. I can't remember the exchange rates are to go sit and do a quick call, you know, as I say, whoop out an iPad, do some work, um, while you're there and then carry on with your day. So I think these things will, will definitely pick, um, 
pick up in popularity and expect to see them in airports, train stations and and the like um, as a solution to mobile working. Yeah, they reminded me of um, photo booths. Mm. I'm assuming those are fairly universal. Um, yeah, just popping in, getting your little, your tiny little cube for a while and then moving on when you don't need it anymore. It, yeah, it's an interesting um, concept. I wonder how, yeah, the more like soundproof they can be, <laughs> I suppose the better, um, depending on how busy. Well it, well, it was one of the things that, that we worked that I quite liked um, when, mm. we, when we were based out of there is that you had these booths in the corner. So the only thing is that in WeWork, they were meant to be like a, a room to pop in to have a quick call and then pop out of. Um, but some people set themselves up there for the whole day. But the nice thing was you literally had um, – and, and ventilation is a big thing here, and, and they're not always were very well ventilated, but you had a, you know, a good light, a comfortable chair. Uh, you couldn't – it wasn't a standing – um, options you had to uh, you had to sit, um, but you could you know basically work with one machine for for an hour in silence if you wanted or do a call. Um, so they were quite popular, um, and I think that makes sense for, as I say, for being a digital nomad. Yeah, yeah, for that, for that, for sure. Um, a nice, a nice evolution. I'm sure we'll see more of this kind of. Uh, Stuff I know, you know, way back months and months ago at the very beginning of the pandemic is really when we were talking a lot about real estate on the podcast and just what was going to happen with office downsizing and our spaces like we work, um, you know, really the going to um, succeed in the long run because of this, because of um, closing down offices and people still wanting a place to go. So I don't know if that's <laughs> where things are at right now currently, but um, things like this booth solution seem similar. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a, um, it's a certainty, I would think. Uh, I mean, my, my current boss, he's built himself a little cube, cubicle in his, in his house to work in. Uh, in fact, I saw a, a, a a video from an Indian supplier um, where they'll come and build it for you, and and it's a fold away booth. So you you have your computer on a on a computer table. It's a you know like a little desk, or whatever. And then if you need the privacy, you basically come and you pull the whole thing out, and mm. it, and it expands out. You know, let's say a meter and a half, two meters, and then when it reaches that point, you can flip the doors closed, and then you've got a little working space. And then when you're done, you can fold it back in again. And I think that's brilliant. I think that's exactly what um, what's, what houses with, without, a, without a study uh, would, would want. Yeah, but then we won't see any of the, the dogs or the children <laughs> running through anymore. It's like a, yeah, family shield. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, I'm lucky. I've got a study to myself and you've got a study to yourself. So, you know, don't worry about these things. But there's a lot of people that, that don't have those things. Yeah. Um, so, so they need that. Um, then the other article was the exoskeleton suit. Mm-hmm. Um, so this I'd seen actually kind of on the TV and then I'd seen it on in this article. Mm-hmm. And this was going down the route of... Um, I think they were looking at construction workers when I looked at it on the TV and the work they were doing about lifting things. But I think this is another thing that's inevitable. 
in fatigue or management of fatigue and injuries. So the examples they were using were people that were lifting heavy boxes or heavy equipment and whatever, and using exoskeleton to help them with that. Um, and with the minds as well, it was about mobility and strength. Uh, but they've come quite a long way, and I was quite impressed with the size of the units. They were not these massive, like, um, I don't know if you watched the first Iron Man, where he builds this big suit and it's in the mine, and it's like this big cast iron thing that you can hardly walk in. Um, it was a lot closer to his the proper Iron Man suit, where you know it's really just a slight, yeah, probably two centimeter diameter um, component on the side of the leg that helps with the lifting and that. So quite impressive stuff. Um, and I can't remember when they said they were trying it, but I think they um, were going to roll out with it. It was it was already in prototype stage with a couple projects. Yeah, I feel like I've seen this kind of thing for um, a little bit now. Um, well, obviously, it has a ton of uses. I mean, from manufacturing, warehouses, really a lot of ways to reduce the the long term strain. I think of the, of those jobs. So very interesting, very expensive technology. Still, I would imagine. Yeah, I said it. I mean, it's called Suit X, and um, I mean, this is this. Uh, what do you say here? They are. I know this was the market size. So the market size is expected to rise from $392 million to $6.8 billion by 2030. So that's only nine years away. Um, and you're looking at, sure, 20 times. I think that's about 20, 20 times growth. So that's huge. Um, mm. So this, this suit was built by General Motors. Um, and what I quite liked about the, the sort of examples they gave was not so much just lifting um, heavy things, but repetitive stuff as well. So um, they had an example of a guy doing, I think he was using metal work. He was, he was um, grinding something, um, then working underneath cars uh, and that sort of stuff. So where, where you would, your, your arm would take the strain of holding the, the, the tool, the exoskeleton would help you. That might give you a, a 10, 20, I think it's a 20% gain. Um, which obviously reduces your fatigue and, and obviously that leads down the road to less less wear and tear on the body. Mm-hmm. Now they didn't give a price on the extra, oh, $45,000. That's the, that's the cost per suit. Which I, yeah, it reminds I mean that, me. Yeah. Sorry, go. <laughs> no, it just uh, reminds me a bit of um, just uh, with bicycles, like e-bikes. Mm. Um which I now I now see them. I've started to see more and more, and I think the price with those has really come down. But just that, um, just the the uh, assistance component, um, they do bring up yeah the recreational potential at the very end of the article um, with falling prices uh, potentially opening up that market as well. But yeah, certainly we'll see it more in in industry first. Would you wear one? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I would. Uh, I don't have a use case for it right now. Um, but if if it made sense to, I mean, there's nights when I walk with my with my daughter, you know, bouncing her around to get her to go to sleep, and and, and the sort of my back shoulder blades start to get sore from the weight. I would I would love to have a um, an exoskeleton there just to take the strain off of my back. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, natural, 
natural thing. And I, I mean, if you look at, at athletics and, and sports, um, you know, we've obviously focused quite heavily on biomechanics and nutrition. Why not have um, some sort of cyborg exoskeleton, um, you know, uh, category, if you like? Um, you already had the Paralympics. But what happens if when, when you've got exoskeletons that make a good athlete a good athlete that's that's fully able, a great athlete because now they are enhanced, uh, or a disabled athlete that's like, you know, remember um, our Blade Runner, uh, Oscar Pistorius, um, you know, he didn't have two legs and they, and they put on the, the blades and he competed in the full body Olympics. Um, so, so why not give a person like him, and we'll forget about his criminal and, and other stuff. Um, but why not give him proper legs that are, that are enhanced cyber legs? You know, this is obviously in the future where they are, are um, set up to be an extension of his true performance and, and let him compete that way. Uh, mm. I'd love to see stuff like that. I think it's a natural thing. And if you want to get into my conspiracy or my very far out there stuff, um, I think the only way we're going to really colonize space is if we have a mechanical body um, mm. to put to, to stand up to radiation and uh, all the all the perils of space. Um, okay, it may not be in my lifetime, but it, but I, I just think the human body is is a machine that's 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 got some weaknesses um, that that needs to be addressed, and that's just a natural evolution. I watch too much sci-fi, clearly. <laughs> yeah, when I mean, you think about the astronauts coming back with you know. There's always, um, you know, muscle weaknesses and like even even doing the exercises they need to do in space. Um, it's always an adjustment period coming back. So I think uh, more of the exoskeletons and stuff makes sense. I'm interested to see like how some of the stuff gets broken up into more um, components. Like, you know, will we see some sort of like arm or wrist thing for people with um, carpal tunnel or there's a lot of like, yeah, chronic overuse cases. Um, there's really popular injuries that, um, you know, there's, there's ways to mitigate it now or get around it, but uh, this kind of thing could be very useful for. Yeah. I mean, you, you've seen it, I'm sure the videos of the, um, remote surgeries that are happening where, where a surgeon will be in one place and they'll use connectivity. I think it's, I think it was a 5g example was the one that I'd seen recently, but they could do a surgery remotely using a mechanized, um, uh, robotic arm to, to do the surgery itself. Um, why not have something like that? And I think it was, um, it was another movie. Uh, what was it called? It was called special effects. Um, it's an old movie. It's probably in the eighties or nineties where the guy was a special effects artist and he had a puppet that was the, was a clown very, very similar to the it, the it clown, um, that he would wear a suit with the, the, the with all the senses and stuff and whatever he did, the clown would do. Mm. Um, and I can see it going down that route where, uh, and this is back to the sci-fi stuff where if you've got a, a radiation issue where a human can't actually survive in those conditions, but you could put a machine through that, you could have the human walk the machine in, go to the components that need to do something, do the do the repair or whatever it is, um, and then throw the machine away. But you haven't thrown a life away. So I could see stuff like that happening in the in the future. 
like Avatar. <laughs> well, Avatar, or if you remember um, any of the Star Trek movies, which you probably haven't watched, um, there's 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 a couple scenes where Kirk dies for for the better of the crew, or, or Spock dies for the better of the crew, and that could have been actually a robot going to do it. You kind of watch the movies going, you're in the future. Why don't you have a you know, a robot for that. Um, the newer Star Treks have all done a better job about having those things around. Um, make more sense. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, that's still part of your education. Yeah, I do need to get Star Trek educated still. I'm so, I'm just, I'm waiting for the Dune movie. So I think that's later this year now again, I think. Um, uh, okay, I wonder what happened to that. Yeah, I think they're doing a theatrical release, so... I think they're doing it in the fall. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, I think you need to run and I probably need to run as well. Do you want to end up there or do you need to, we don't carry on. No, we're good to tie it up. I don't think I have anything else of any interest to, no, to say on that, but it's like, it's a cool topic. Super. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Heather Bicknell is our producer and editor. Thank you, Heather, for your hard work on this episode. Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at the DWW Podcast. The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website, www.digitalworkspace.works. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works, and subscribe to our newsletter. And lastly, if you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues.